Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported. That means we truly depend on you in order to bring this resource to you. If you don't already support us financially, you could do so. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. You'll see our three friendly yellow buttons there. One says donate. The other says join our crew. The other says become a patron. Click on one of them and fill that out. If you'd like to support us the traditional way, you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Tuesday, June 4th, 2019. not only looking at the show notes for today, I'm looking at what's coming up for the week. <laughs> uh, yeah. Maybe I should go on vacation. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ. And this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, help you to slow down, stop, open up your Bible and compare, compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. Sadly, there is no shortage of crazy things being said out there. We take the time to open up God's Word, to compare and contrast what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets prophetesses, self-appointed apostles and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books apparently we need to be buying, and whose small group curricula we should be studying instead of the Word of God. Yeah, weird how that works. Over and again, we demonstrate that the steady diet of doctrine that is put forward for consumption by the average evangelical, is far from biblical, far from what God's Word says. What people are spewing is just utter rubbish and nonsense. And oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, uh, the driving, motivating factor is greed. Yeah, that, that seems to play in as well. So, let's talk about what we're going to do on this installment of Fighting for the Faith. We have two segments that we're going to be doing, one short, the other a little bit longer, and both of them are going to be under the general category of the Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate. In fact, what I'll probably do is the first one, I'll put it under the uh, the, the, the overarching rubric of the uh, New Apostolic Reformation, because uh, it's going to be uh, the Apostle. <clears throat> yeah, Apostle. Yeah, that office is closed. Sorry, you're not that, Ryan. But the Apostle Ryan Lestrange, aptly named, and uh, he's going to be, uh, well, trying to convince people that they need to come to his his school of miracles and stuff like that. And we're going to note that he's committing the sin of simony. If you don't know what the sin of simony is, Hang on, we'll explain that to you in uh, this installment of Fighting for the Faith. Uh, And then after that short segment, that'll be a briefer one, uh, we'll do a long segment, probably cut it up into two pieces, as we'll listen to Katie Sousa explain to us how a python spirit is attacking people's finances, and she can teach you how to you know unravel and uncoil this python spirit that's choking out your finances and in the process she's going to demonstrate that she has no clue how to rightly handle biblical text which means she doesn't even meet the minimum requirements to be qualified to be teaching in Christ's church so that will be today's episode of fighting for the faith strongly recommend you make yourself comfortable We have a lot of ground we need to cover, and uh, since we're going to start off in the uh, New Apostolic Reformation, let's do this. Chief, mate, what do you want to do tonight? 
The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. The Pinky and the Brain. Yes, Pinky and the Brain. One is a genius, the other's insane. The laboratory mice, the genes have been sliced. They're Pinky, they're Pinky and the Brain. Brain, 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 brain. Before each night is done, their plan will be unfurled by the dawning of the sun. They'll take over the world. They're Pinky and the Brain, yes, Pinky and the Brain. The twilight campaign is easy to explain. To prove their mousy worth, they'll overthrow the earth. They're Pinky, they're Pinky and the Brain, 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 Brain. We're heading over to the YouTube channel of Ryan Lestrange, and he has opened up registration for a School of the Miraculous e-course. It's a short video, and uh, we'll, we'll consider the implications of it. Let's tune in to Ryan Lestrange as he explains to us what we will learn at this School of the Miraculous. Do you want to learn how to live in the miracle realm, how to heal the sick, how to see impossible breakthrough, and how God can use you? How to heal the sick. Okay, that's miraculous. I want to teach you. I've been doing it for years, and I want to equip you during my online school of the miraculous. Go sign up today. It's time that you impact the world through the miracle working power of God. I want to be your coach. Sign up today for he wants to be your coach. Sign up today for the School of the Miraculous. I mean, it seems, you know, innocuous enough. It's, I mean, what could possibly be wrong with this? He's, all he wants to do is impart his experience and knowledge and how to operate in signs and wonders and the Holy Spirit and stuff. Well, let's head over to Ryan Lestrange, the website that he has set up. And it's School of the Miraculous eCourse 50 bucks 49 dollars for this and, and what i mean it's not all that expensive what could possibly be wrong with this well let me explain to you what's wrong with it and we'll take a look at a biblical text to demonstrate the text in question is in acts chapter 8 and remember our three rules for sound biblical exegesis they are context context and context well, context being an important thing, let's read this story out. So uh, the end of chapter 7, by the way, you have the martyrdom, martyrdom of Stephen, the very first Christian martyr, Stephen. And so uh, it says Paul, uh, Saul approved of his execution. This is before Saul became the Apostle Paul. And so there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits came out with a loud voice. Uh, you know, they came out of many who had them and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him, because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. So you'll note that Simon, he hears the message, and he sees the miracles that are accompanying the proclamation of Christ and him crucified for our sins. And he himself is blown away by what he's seeing. 
story continues. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. And watch what Simon says. Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter, Peter, a true apostle. Note that Ryan Lestrange claims that he's an apostle. He calls himself the apostle Ryan Lestrange. But uh, Peter, who is a true apostle, said to Simon, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, you have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity, and Simon answered, pray for me to, to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. So you'll note that Simon wanted to buy the miraculous powers of the Holy Spirit with money. And he gets an extremely blunt and super sharp rebuke from the Apostle Peter for even thinking that he could buy the gift of God with money and then said that he has neither part nor lot in the ministry of the preaching of the gospel, and his heart wasn't right before God. Well, the same thing then applies to Ryan Lestrange, Ryan Lestrange, uh, the school of the miraculous e-course, where you can learn how to operate in the miraculous the same way he did. Number one, Ryan Lestrange, for trying to sell the gift of God, has no part in the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And anybody who thinks that they can purchase the the gift of God and the Holy Spirit and the ability to operate in, in you know in the miraculous by paying money, they are committing the sin of simony. In fact, if you were to do a Google search, go to Google and type in sin of simony. Sin of simony. Well, let's take a look at what comes up. First listing from the Encyclopedia Britannica, simony. Buying or selling of something spiritual or closely connected with the spiritual. More widely, it is any contract of this kind forbidden by divine or ecclesiastical law. The name is taken from Simon Magus of Acts 8.18, who endeavored to buy from the apostles the power of conferring the gifts of the Holy Spirit. With money, that's right. This is a very well-known sin, but apparently um, this little biblical factoid and sin seems to have uh, been overlooked by men claiming to be an apostle like Ryan Lestrange and others. So I think you get the point. doesn't need to be a long video, but uh, you know this, by the way, puts every prophecy school, including the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, also known as Hogwarts, uh, uh, on the Sin of Simony list them selling the gifts of God, and anybody desiring to buy the gifts of God with money. Yeah, sorry, folks. Uh, (laughs) Sin of simony there, and uh, strictly forbidden by God, and given the sharpest of rebukes by the real apostle, the apostle Peter. Moving along... Yep, time for Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate Update. Oh, hallelujah. Get up right now. Listen to this. 
We're going to be heading over to the uh, YouTube channel for Katie Sousa and listen to a live stream she did back either in late April or uh, early May uh, dealing with the Python spirit and your finances. And in the process, Katie Sousa is going to demonstrate she's not qualified. And, And I mean this in the truest sense. She is not qualified at all to be teaching in Christ Church. Now, I know that that's like crazy talk, right? Well, here's the idea, is that God himself, God has revealed in his word what the qualifications are for those who teach in Christ's church. Now, remember, the church belongs to Jesus, not to me, not to you, not to anybody else. And so God himself gets to call the shots as far as who's qualified to teach in his church. And there are very specific qualifications. Shall we review them uh, by taking a look at Scripture? Let's uh, let me do this again. There we go. And uh, I know I'm like all over the map already today, but let's do this. Second Timothy chapter two, verses fifteen through eighteen, says, "Do your do your best to present yourself to God as one approved." And this is, by the way, as a pastoral epistle. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. That's right. There are a lot of people who wrongly handle it. And watch watch how Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, describes those who are not rightly handling God's word. Avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people to more and more ungodliness. And their talk, the the talk of the false teachers who are spewing forth this irreverent babble, it'll spread like gangrene. Yeah, have you ever thought of false teaching like gangrene in the body of Christ? Mm-hmm, it is. It That's exactly how Scripture is describing them. And then Paul even names names. He says, you know, among them, by the way, are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth. And they are saying that the resurrection's already happened and they are upsetting the faith of some. So you'll note that Scripture lays out some clear qualifications. And you say, well, that's a pastoral qualification. So that means that teachers can just spew whatever they want. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way at all. Uh, how do I know this? Well, again, here's another cross-reference. Titus chapter 1, another pastoral epistle. Paul says to Titus, uh, the reason I wet, left you in Crete is so that you might put what remained in order and appoint elders in every town as I have directed you. So elders are going to be your pastors here. So if anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, his children are believers, not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, for an overseer is God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. So we, we recognize that pastors are supposed to be exemplary men as far as their moral uh, fortitude, their moral character, and the example that they set, but there's more to it, more, more, more to it. So he then must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So anybody who's out there teaching false doctrine is to be rebuked. And and there's a reason why, by the way, and here's what Paul says. There are many who are insubordinate. They are empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party, and they listen to what God wills. They must be silenced. They must be silenced and say they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. So uh, those who want to teach, uh, they have a stricter judgment according to Scripture, and uh, they are instructed, commanded by God through his word to teach sound doctrine and rightly handle the word of truth. And those who are not are to be rebuked and silenced. Pretty straightforward. Now, Katie Sousa is a woman who's been put forward by Patricia King, she has all the <clears throat> all the backing of the woman who's fought werewolves, you know. And yes, we have covered that here at Fighting for the Faith. Uh, Patricia King fighting werewolves. She's claimed to do that. But all of that being said, let's take a listen as Katie Sousa is going to try to make it appear that this is a biblical teaching that a python spirit is after your finances. And in so doing, she's going to demonstrate that she has no clue 
no clue whatsoever how to rightly handle a biblical text. Now, a little bit of a note here. From time to time, I get people saying, well, what about you, Roseboro? What are your qualifications? Hmm? <laughs> yeah, yeah, where did you study? Well, okay, it's a fair question. So just so you know, I have a degree in religious studies and biblical languages. My, that's my undergraduate degree from Concordia University, Irvine, California. I am also a graduate of American Lutheran Theological Seminary, and I am an ordained pastor in the American Association of Lutheran Churches. All of that being said, you know, I have had to submit myself to a pastoral uh, authority uh, in several levels and also accountability through my own denomination. So the idea here is, is that uh, I've applied myself, shown myself approved, and you can also listen to my sermons online if you wanted to. I pastor Kongsvinger Lutheran Church in Oslo, Minnesota, don't you know? So you can, we'll put a link down to, the, to Kongsvinger down below so that you can listen to the sermons. But you get the idea, you know. So, I, you know, people ask about my qualifications, and I'm not saying this to brag. I'm just saying this to basically say, listen, you want my qualifications? Sure, I can provide them for you. But all of that being said, Katie Sousa, I don't know what seminary she went to. Patricia Kings, I guess. I don't know. But uh, she's going to demonstrate she's not qualified at all to be teaching anybody. I mean, from like age one all the way to 99 within Christ Church, she doesn't know how to rightly handle a biblical text. We'll let her demonstrate. Here we go. Hey, everybody. It's Katie Souza. How are you doing? All right. Today, we're going to talk about finances. And I'm going to help you out to remove the things that are squeezing out your ability to gain in every area of your life, gain in your business, gain in your ministry, gain in your, in your savings. So apparently something in those, the words she's squeezing out. Yes. Snake talk here. Counts gaining in, uh, your, your, uh, investments and things like that. We're going to talk about how to break off spirits specifically the python spirit oh the python spirit it's after your finances apparently uh-huh that is blocking your gains okay as i do this i just want to let you know that this weekend on sunday night i'm going to be preaching this message live at experience night with patricia king and charlie robinson I just was with Patricia yesterday, and we were in the car today. Yeah, this should demonstrate. I mean, if you had any doubts as to whether or not Katie Sousa is a complete flim-flam con artist, it was Patricia King who's responsible for unleashing this gangrene of Katie Sousa's teaching on the body of Christ. The, you know, wolves like to run in packs, don't you know? Yeah. Together, and she's like, I am so excited about this Sunday. It's going to be awesome, right? Charlie Robinson is going to be there. He travels the world bringing revival. He carries the glory in the presence of God. He's he carries the glory. Does he keep it in a suitcase? How does he do that? He's going to be speaking prophetically and releasing what the now word that God has for the season for the body of Christ. And Patricia said that she's going to like be in there joining in with the prophetic releasing decrees. Um, oh, yeah. Patricia is going to be releasing decrees. Where is that taught in scripture? It's not. I'm moving into a message about breakthrough in finances and causing us to come out of the bondage of Egypt into the fullness of of the promised land. And I am going to be preaching on this message on Python Sunday night at experience night live. You can watch it online. We're going to put in the link right now. Daniel's going to put in the link for you. There it is on the screen. Make sure you save that link, save this video so you can watch it over and save that link. So you can go watch and be with us Sunday night, Sunday night. Okay. So now let's talk about this Python spirit. Yeah, let's do that. Mm -hmm. what it does and how you get rid of it yeah how do you get rid of a python spirit Woo. i mean I, maybe that's the reason why i'm not a millionaire yet i've got a long 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 way to go before i am I, it, maybe there's a python spirit attacking my bank account okay so first of all let's look at what jesus himself said in luke 10 19 he says now before she reads this out we're going to note that she's going to engage in the string of macaroni method uh, to try, she's trying at this point to create the impression that this whole Python thing attacking your finances, this is a biblical teaching. So Luke ten nineteen is her first text. Let's pull it up 
and we'll apply our three rules for sound biblical exegesis, which are context, context, and context. And we're going to note here that there's something going on in the context, and there's somebody who Jesus is speaking to. So Luke 10, 1 begins with this. After this, the Lord, that's Jesus, appointed the 72 elders, 72 others, and sent them on ahead of him, two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. And you're going to note here, I don't know anybody out there saying, wait a minute, we as Christians, we're not allowed to have you know, wallets, and we can't, when we're out on traveling, we can't greet anybody while we're on the road. Nobody says that. Why? Because it's like, well, Jesus was talking to the 72 here. Right. This was, <laughs> so paying attention to the context and who's being told what? Is this a universal application? Is this a command for a specific group of people? That's important. Now, as the text unfolds, you know, the 72 go out and they do what Christ has told them to do. You know, they preach and they teach and they cast out demons. And so it says in verse 17 of chapter 10, the 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, but that the spirits are, su- that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So Jesus gives them a little bit of perspective. And then you'll note in verse 19 that here Jesus is using the phrase, serpents and scorpions as um, a, a metaphor, an analogy to compare demonic spirits, you know, with. So, you know, clearly he's speaking metaphorically. Serpents and scorpions in this sense are referring not to literal serpents and scorpions, but to the demonic. And Katie Seuss is going to rightly point that little fact out. So let's go back to her as she continues to spin out this teaching. As this, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by in any means harm you. Okay, so what does this mean? Jesus given us power to trample on, on snakes. Does that mean just stuff in the natural? Well, I think that that can be applied to that because we see Paul having authority and dominion in the Bible over a snake in the natural. When you remember he had the shipwreck, he has to swim to shore. It's a cold night. He- having authority over it, more like it, you know, bit him and he didn't die. Picks up a bundle of sticks. There's a snake hiding in it. He doesn't know it. He throws it on the fire. The heat of the fire drives the snake out. It bites him, but he's absolutely unharmed. I mean, the, 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 Islanders there were like shocked because Paul was like, why didn't he drop, why didn't he drop dead? This is a deadly snake. He had been given power over that snake's venom in the natural. Okay. But when Jesus is talking about this in Luke 10, he's also talking about the supernatural. Okay. Well, he's referring to real demons. That demons can manifest in the form of serpents. And you say, what? Where's that in the Bible? That's not Jesus's point, and yes, the devil did manifest in the form of a serpent. Go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. No one's questioning that. Well, let me tell you, the very first manifestation of a demonic presence on the earth was Satan as a serpent in the garden. And also in Revelations, Satan is called the dragon, that old serpent. Yeah, this is true. So from the beginning to the end... We can identify that Satan himself and the spirits that work under him, many of them take the form of serpents. Now, when Jesus said that... That's that's not a correct conclusion of what you were pointing out. You can say that scripture refers to them as serpents, as scorpions, you know, and that, you know, Satan himself is referred to by God as that old serpent, and he appeared as the serpent in the Garden of Eden. Yes, that doesn't mean that that demons, a lot of them are, are are manifesting as serpents and snakes. That's not the correct conclusion. 
All right, we're going to pause Katie Sousa right there. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at Pirate Christian. Quick break when we come back. More of Katie Sousa spewing about a, a python spirit attacking finances. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Peter, James, John, and Paul are all dead. That means there are no living apostles in the church today. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. I've had enough of this sissy, pansy, cunning, photo-written music you have the audacity to call worship. Men, put this entire girly praise band in the boo box. Let's wheel in the organ and get some real worship music underway. Ye be listening to Pirate Christian Radio. <laughs> Max Holliday's Birdcage Theater presents Church Day Select. again, ladies and gentlemen, to this week's edition of What the Buzz, where we show you the latest, the greatest, the most fantastic and controversial inventions in the Christian world of tomorrow, today. In studio with me right now is the infamous Dr. Ergen Kanner with his latest product called Ergen Kanner's Testimony Enhancement Spray. Dr. Kanner, please tell us how you invented this marvelous product. It all started when I grew up in Columbus, Ohio. My conversion to Christianity was a relatively mundane one. Being a run-of-the-mill Christian is not what we call exciting. I bet. But now we try to tell my pagan friends why they too should be Christians. All they did was laugh at me and tell me how pathetic my Christian testimony was. I knew then that if my story of how I chose Jesus was more compelling, then I would be able to reach more people. It wasn't until years later that I created the spray that you see before you now. Well, what does it do? It does exactly what I said it does. For example, after using this spray, I was able to completely change my Christian testimony. I went from being a boring, middle-aged man to an individual who grew up under the oppression of Islam. I was part of the Islamic Youth Jihad, and I had been personally trained by terrorists of Al-Qaeda. When I moved to America in my 15th year, I was plagued by ridicule and bullying in my high school. People would call me Sand Monkey and push me around like a ragdoll. I wished to crush the infidels when they stood. Luckily for me, I found Jesus and accepted him into my heart before I committed acts of terrorism. Instead of a bomb on my back, I now had the cross of Jesus. That's an amazing story! Has your spray worked with other people? Yes, yes it has. Take a listen to some unenhanced testimonies from these non-actors about my product. Before I used Ergen Canner's Testimony Enhancement Spray, I was a boring accountant working for a small firm in the farthest reaches of upstate New York. Me, being a Christian, was about as compelling as watching paint dry. Then I became a pirate from the 17th century who personally helped sack the Spanish main. I pillaged and plundered the heart and soul out of the Caribbean for many a year. Then one day... I miraculously accepted Jesus into my heart, and I was saved. 
I put up me cutlass forever and sailed to America with the hope of telling more people that Jesus died so that they might live in luxury. I was a simple stay-at-home dad who didn't have any real ambitions in life other than taking care of my children. I'd always go to my local mega church and experience the presence of God. My friends who did fantasy football with me never really found my Christian walk to be that compelling. So now, I'm an ex-assassin who carries out hundreds of missions for the government around the world. There isn't anybody on Earth that I couldn't kill with a pair of chopsticks and a stick of bubblegum. During one of my last missions, I came across the family who had told me the good news, that I had the power to forgive myself of all the debts I had wrought. In that moment, I felt a change come over me as I led Jesus into my heart, and I gave up my life of murder forever. I used to be normal and happy. Then one day my church counselor, Mr. Gary Sunshine, told me to go on an Emmaus walk to find Jesus. I guess I didn't trust in God hard enough because I was lost in the wilderness for over three months. Jesus never showed up and Mr. Snuggles didn't make it. I had almost died from starvation, then a helicopter came, and... What are you doing here? That's not a testimony. You do not even use spray. Get out! Um, you promised me five dollars for the testimony. I'm not paying you for that garbage. Get out! Be sure to pick up your very own bottle of Ergen Tanner's Testimony Enhancement Spray from Los Lobos Ministry Products. Order now! Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down, click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. Oi, Captain! We got ourselves a heretic! (laughs) And exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich. (laughs) And what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, we throw them in the boo box. No, no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. <laughs> to err is to heretic. To R is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Refermanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Refermanda and join the fight for the faith today. back 
Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that there is not a python spirit out there trying to slither up and squeal around you and destroy your finances. It's just a reminder. Fighting for the Faith, yeah, this is listener-supported radio, and I... There, there. I can't promise any blessings or anything like that, or that you'll be released from this thing or the other thing, uh, except for re- being released from false teachers. This is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring fighting for the faith to you into the world. And you can partner with us. It is a partnership. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our three friendly yellow buttons. One says donate, the other says join our crew, the other says become a patron. When you join our crew, you get to pick your rank in our crew, and rank is based upon your monthly commitment. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's Mate at $24.95 a month. From there, Master Gunner at $49.95 a month. And then Quartermaster, $99.95 a month. Being a crew member, joining our crew, great way to support us. If you'd like to make a one-time contribution, click on the Donate button. If you'd like to become a patron via Patreon, click on the Become a Patron button. If you'd like to support us the uh, old-fashioned, traditional way, you know, analog way, you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith, and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208, and let me thank you, truly, honestly, thank you for your support. We cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, here is the balance of our segment on Katie Sousa and this Python spirit that is apparently attacking people's finances. Here we go. That in Luke 10, it's very interesting because if you go back and you read it in context, he had just sent the 70 out on a mission. She's trying so hard to be a good, solid Bible teacher. She's applying some context. trip, And they came back and they said to Jesus, wow, even the demons submitted to us in your name. Okay, and Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from the sky. Behold, I've given you power to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So in context, they were talking about demonic spirits. Now, this part, true. Yeah, that's that's right. So when Jesus is talking about the ability to trample on snakes, he's talking about demons that take the form of serpents. No, not exactly. (laughs) He is referring to the demonic in metaphorical, allegorical terms regarding serpents and scorpions. Okay. Now, what are we supposed to do? We're given authority and power over them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Jesus himself told us in the Great Commission. Do you remember what the Great Commission said? Yeah. Uh, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, or as you are going, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching all that I have commanded. Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Yeah, that's the Great Commission, Matthew 28. He said, you're going to go out, you're going to baptize nations in my name. You're going to teach the gospel. You're going to heal the sick. You're going to drive out demons. You're going to raise the dead. And then he also said, yeah, Matthew 10 is not the Great Commission. Matthew 28 is the Great Commission. In that famous verse, he said, and you're going to take up serpents. Now, it's so funny because I hear people. Now, she just, again, she's doing this string of macaroni you know, style here. She's taking verses and words out of context. So she never read out Matthew you know, 28. So we didn't really get the Great Commission. And then she throws in. Mark sixteen seventeen through 18. Let me tell you a little bit about the gospel of Mark and the long ending of Mark. Um, I pull up Bible Gateway. We're looking at the English Standard Version of Mark 16, and I want you to note what it says. If you have a printed Bible, one of the old school analog kinds with, you know, printed words on a page, uh, it'll have this note there as well. And it says, some of the earliest manuscripts do not include chapter 16, 9 through 20. In fact, all of the best, oldest manuscripts we have of the Gospel of Mark do not include the long ending of Mark. 
So there is very good scholarly and archaeological reasoning to believe that the long ending of Mark was something that was added later, that it, it was not part of the original autograph of this gospel. And the person who's done like definitive work on this is James White, Dr. James White of Alpha and Omega Ministries. But we'll note that um, that, uh, that it is questionable as to whether or not verses 9 through uh, 20 of the Gospel of Mark were actually written by Mark. Our best, oldest manuscripts don't have it. They, they just don't have these, these verses. And so you'll note then that there's been some pretty crazy doctrines associated with people who really zoom in on this and don't recognize, like, we better be careful with this one because there's a really good chance it may not even be in the original. So you'll note then that um, here's what uh, is, Jesus is supposed to have said in this text. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe uh, in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. And they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. We'll note that... Um, there have been religious sects who have taken this quite seriously, like literally, um, and just forget the fact that there's a really good chance that wasn't even part of the original Gospel of Mark. And so, you know, they bring this kind of thing into the worship. <laughs> Now, if I'm not mistaken, the guy, the fellow who uh, the, did the you know, holding of the, of the rattlesnakes there in that Pentecostal church, that he was eventually bitten by one of those rattlesnakes and died. Yeah, so my question is, do you have sacramental rattlesnakes in your church? Because, you know, Mark 16. <clears throat> Yeah, the, the point is, is you got to be careful with that long ending of Mark. And she's not taking us to the one that isn't contested, which is in Matthew, or even Luke's version, you know, where we're to go out and proclaim repentance and the forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name to all nations. No, she's going to Mark 16. And thing, if she had studied and showed herself approved, you know, actually went and did the work to learn how to rightly handle biblical texts and showed that she's qualified to do so, she would have learned that. But uh, we continue. Preaching on the Great Commission all the time. And they kind of just slide really quick while they preach it. And you're going to take up sermons. Yeah, you're going to take up sermons. They just and it says drink deadly poison too. Are you drinking deadly poison as well? Kind of slide really quick over it because they don't know what to do with it. Okay, but nonetheless, Jesus said, you're going to take up serpents. And he said that in the Great Commission, which is the commission to every single believer, not just some. Not the, the text says that these signs will accompany. It's not a command for you to pick up snakes. So even if it were part of the original of the Gospel of Mark, it just says that in general, these types of signs would follow believers. This isn't a command to take up serpents. Not just me, not just a couple of you watching online. He has commissioned all believers to baptize the nations, preach the gospel, drive out demons, heal the sick, and take up serpents. It also says drink deadly poison. When was the last time you did that? We're all supposed to be doing this. No, that's not what it says. So again, even if the long ending of Mark is valid, okay, it just says these signs will accompany those who believe. It doesn't say that you must do these things. Big difference. Pay attention to grammar. It helps. So let's come back to her then and see what she does next. What does that mean? Okay, the word take up there is the Greek word iro, and it means to remove from anything something that is attached to anything. <laughs> She doesn't know Greek, all right? So, um, yeah, let's take a look at this, shall we? Uh, let's see, Mark chapter 16. These signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up, and here's your here's Iroh right here. 
they will pick up serpents with their hands. Now, what we're going to do, I'm going to show you a resource that you can find online that is free. So that, you know, if you say, well, I, Pastor, I don't have all the resources you have. I, I get it. That's fine. Uh, let's take a look at something that will help us out here. So if you go to BibleHub.com, BibleHub.com, you can find in their list of resources available for lay people, like Strong's Concordance, okay? And you can look it up. You can find Iro there. Iro is a verb to raise, to take up, or to lift. That's the definition or usage. I raise, lift up, or take away, or remove. Now, important thing here is that we all, rec- we all recognize that many words have many definitions or potential definitions, and context is going to help you determine what the proper definition of any given word is. For instance, one of the things I like to say is that you, know, you take a look at the word up. Up in the dictionary has a lot of different definitions. So if I were to say to you, I decided to look up the word Iro, I'm using the word up differently than if I were to say, this morning when I got up from bed, I went into the bathroom and threw up. All right. Notice I used up three different ways, and in each time that I used it, the definition changed based upon the context of how I was using the word. Same with Greek words. So you can sit there and go, all right, so I wrote, here's a bunch of different definitions for it. To raise up, to raise from the ground, to take up, to raise up, to elevate, to lift up, to draw up, to take upon oneself and carry what has been raised to bear, to bear away what has been raised, to carry off, to move from its place, to take off or away what is attached to anything, to remove, yeah, to carry off, to carry away with one, to appropriate what is taken, to take away from another what is his or what is committed to him. So, you know, all of these different definitions are potential definitions, but what Katie Sousa just did here is demonstrate she don't know how to even use a Greek lexicon or even a dictionary for that matter, because she gives all a bunch of different potential meanings for the word Iro. And she zooms in on one potential meaning of Iro to take off or away what is attached to anything. And she says, that's what it means. That, no, that's one potential definition. The question is, is that the definition of the, fra- of the word Iro in Mark 16, the long ending of Mark, when it says, you will take up serpents? So yeah, one of the, one, an easy test that you can do, by the way, you know, to see which definition fits, is take the definition and plug it in instead of the word in a sentence. Um, so, for instance, so let's, let's kind of do this here. Um, in, so in uh, Mark 16, these signs will accompany those who believe. They will pick up serpents. And so pick up is Iro. All right, so they'll pick up serpents. So let's take the word, the, the, the word, the phrase pick up, because that's what Iro is referring to there. And then let's just replace it. They will pick up serpents. And let's put the her definition in place to see if it makes any sense at all. They will take off or away what is attached to anything serpents. It doesn't work. This isn't the definition that applies here. She doesn't know what she's doing. Which means, number one, that these serpents are attached to anything. They're attached to your... No, that is not what that means. Let me back this up. Number one, that these serpents are attached to anything. They're attached to your car, to your body, to your finances, to your mind, to your business. No, that's not what it means. So now she's building this whole theology based upon a misapplication of one of the potential lexical definitions of the Greek verb iro. And now she's, so this means that serpents can attach themselves to anything, like even your finances and stuff. To your ministry. And we are supposed to take up serpents. We are supposed to iro them. We are supposed to remove anything. We are supposed to remove them. Are you iroing the serpents that have attached themselves to the finances in your life? This is nonsense. This is utter nonsense. Now, let me fast forward a little bit in this video. And, uh, and she's going to uh, go to Philippi. 
where the mention of the spirit of Puthona is, is actually listed out in the biblical text. And what she does with this, again, demonstrates she doesn't even have a command of like the English language or how to use basic research tools at all. Um, and But she's really gifted at like spinning out false gangrene doctrines that she's spreading into the body of Christ. Let's take a listen to what she, where she goes with this next. So there's all these different ways, these sins that enable these serpents to have the legal right to afflict us. Okay. Uh-oh, serpents have the legal right to afflict us. Which biblical text, text teaches that serpents now have the biblical right to afflict us? Okay, so now let's talk about the python spirit. Okay. Y'all remember that story? Yes. Let's go to that right now. Acts 16. Okay, this is an Acts 16. And this is a story about Paul running into this woman. Uh, who had a spirit of divination. It says, And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gains by soothsaying. The same fellow Paul and us. Now, I, I want to point something out now while we can, because she's going to, when, when she uh, gets off this text, she's going to go nuts is the best way I can put it. So I want to pay attention to certain details here. And here's what it says, Acts 16, 16. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. And so it literally says that she had, um, you know, exusan numa puthona. So numa puthona, a spirit uh, uh, of python, of divination. And you're sitting there going, that's an interesting word, Puthona. What does that mean? I'm going to show you back at Bible Hub uh, a resource that you can find there that will help you out. Now, if you do not have access to good commentaries, there are several that are in the public domain that are okay. They're, they're not the greatest. They're not the easiest. But they are at least somewhat helpful. And again, Bible Hub has uh, some of these uh, on, you know, online commentaries that are in the public domain available. So when you go to Bible Hub and you take a look at the commentaries, excuse me, regarding Acts 16, 16, here in Ellicott's commentary for English readers, we learn something about what this spirit of Puthona is about. I, you've heard me teach on this before. I've said that this is related to the Oracle Adelphi, and Ellicott actually explains how that is the case. It says this, a certain damsel, so note this is in the public domain because it's old, uh, possessed by, with a spirit of divination, literally, as in the margin, a spirit of python, or as some manuscripts uh, give it, a python spirit. The python was the serpent worshipped at Delphi as the symbol of wisdom from whom the Pythian priestesses took their name. So if you've ever heard of the Pythian priestesses, yeah, the spirit of Puthona is, is connected with them. So, all of that being said, a good commentary, and there are even free ones available, like at Bible Hub, you can then find out what's really going on here. The spirit of Python, uh, this slave girl, uh, spirit of divination, this connects her in one way or another then to the Pythian priestesses of the Oracle of Delphi. Now, let's take a look back at the commentary itself then and just read a little bit further. So the Pythian priestesses took their name and from whom Apollo as succeeding over the oracular power of the serpent took the name, uh, the same adjective. The fact that St. Luke, who in his gospel describes like phenomena as coming from demonia, evil spirits, unclean spirits, should here use this exceptional description seems to imply either that this was the way in which the people of Philippi spoke of the maiden or else that he recognized her phenomena identical with those of the priestesses of Delphi, the wild distortions, the shill cries, the madness of an evil inspiration. Yeah, so again, you read good commentaries on this, and the better ones, the good scholarly ones, do a very fine job of connecting then this girl from Philippi, the slave girl, with the oracle of Delphi, the Pythian priestesses. So, so she followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. 
And Paul, having been uh, become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope for gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. So you'll note then that this slave girl associated with the Oracle of Delphi, Pythian priestess, uh, she brought her owners gain, money, due to the fact that she was able to engage in fortune-telling, which should tell you something about what's behind fortune-telling. Uh-huh. I'm just saying. So all of that being said, let's come back then to Katie Sousa as she tries to handle this text, but shows instead that she's not capable of rightly handling a biblical text at all. Us and crying said, these men are the servants of the Most High God, which show us the way unto salvation. And and she did this for many days, and Paul, being grieved, turned to the Spirit finally and said, I command thee in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And he came out in that same hour. But then it says, but when the masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas, brought them into the marketplace of the rulers, and beat them, stripped them naked, and put them in prison. Wow. Wow. Yeah, okay. Wow. Okay. So here's this woman. She's following Paul and Silas. She had a spirit of divination, which enabled her to divine how her masters could receive much gains. No, that's not what the text says. Nice thing about rightly handling the Bible, it's it's like an open book test. You know, the, the, the text itself says that she had a spirit of Puthona, again, Pythian priestess, brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. Mm-hmm. That's how she did it. She brought them gain by fortune telling. Not by telling them how to make much gain, but she made the money by being a fortune teller. Okay. Financial income. Okay. Much success in their business. Okay, now. So the spirit that was on her handled the money, controlled the money. Okay. What? No, the spirit that was on her did fortune telling. That's what the text says. Was that spirit? You go look up the word divination, okay, in the scriptures, in the Greek, and it means one word. Ready? Python. Ooh, I, I just got goosebumps or ghost bumps or something. No, I didn't really. But again, she's demonstrating that she doesn't know what she's talking about it was a python that was it was a snake that was talking to paul that day no no it was a demon and she was a pythian priestess and paul was like she was saying all the right things Ooh, that's a revelation right there oh these men are here to show you the way to the most high god that sounds so holy so christian now watch what comes next is it's just bizarre. I, I mean, really, really bizarre. So good, right? But it, Paul, it said, was grieved. His spirit could tell, there's something wrong here. This isn't what it sounds like or what it appears, right? And he finally cast that spirit out. But then the men who were also the masters who she worked for were yeah. also controlled by the same spirit. Be- uh, the text doesn't say that. It just says that this girl through her fortune telling brought them much gain money because ooh, they got angry and says when they saw that the means for their gains was gone they threw they took paul and dragged him and they stripped them both in the marketplace naked and beat them and put them in prison see that's what that spirit is doing python is doing that okay <laughs> what it's controlling your ability to have gains no, <laughs> no, that's not what this text says at all. Where are you getting that? She's just making stuff up. She doesn't know how to rightly handle a biblical text. She is not studied. She has not shown herself approved. She does not know how to teach what's in accord with sound doctrine. She's making stuff up. This text isn't saying what she is saying. And it, what it does is it drags you out into the marketplace. You notice. <laughs> No, there no python spirit is going to drag me out into the marketplace. They weren't dragged to the corner of the street or, you know, into a hidden room or whatever. They were dragged out in public 
in the marketplace where business is conducted, where money is exchanged, where purchases and sales are made. And it stripped them naked in that place. So it's this Python spirit is going to come and it's going to take you into the marketplace and strip you naked too. In the marketplace, beat them, and then imprison them. And that's what this spirit of Python is doing. Okay, it's controlling your ability to make gains. It's taking you into the marketplace where there should be sales happening and, and purchases happening and exchanges and transactions happening and all these positive things happening. And instead, it's stripping you in that place. <laughs> this is absurd. This is utter absurdity. This woman does not know how to handle, rightly handle a biblical text. She doesn't teach what's in accord with sound doctrine. This whole thing that she was trying to do is basically con you into believing that this is a biblical teaching, and it's not. Just because Paul was taken and beaten in the marketplace and Silas was taken and beaten in the marketplace after they cast out this demon doesn't mean that a python's going to attack your finances by dragging you into the marketplace and stripping you naked too this this is utter absurdity this is not at all what god's word says or teaches so if if you know anybody that thinks that katie susa is a valid teacher somebody who rightly handles god's word and is bringing a message that has anything to do with biblical christianity you need to send him this video. Yeah, all the information I shared is down below because this woman is not qualified to teach two-year-olds using a flannel graph. You know, at your church's, you know, at at your church in their preschool. I mean, she's not qualified as a biblical teacher at all. She is somebody who's teaching for shameful gain, things that she ought not to teach. She is clearly unskilled in like all of even the most basic, basic skills required to. Uh, rightly handled biblical text, and she is somebody who should be rebuked and cast out of the church as a false teacher and a charlatan because that's what she is. So what'd you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at pirate Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.